Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, your regular guide sharing tools and expertise to build a life full of positivity and possibility. Here's your host, Russell Thackeray. Hi everybody, today is something a bit different. Janet and I thought it'd be a good idea for her to interview me around a subject I've become increasingly interested in. So hi Janet. Hi there Russell. So tables are turned, you, you start the ball rolling. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, I know this, this this topic that you're interested in is um, about highly sensitive people. Um, so what has actually got you interested in this subject? So um, highly sensitive people is something I ran into for the first time in a podcast with, with one of our guests, Dr. Michael Pluse. And he, intro- he introduced us to his research at both LSE and UCL, I think, and also the work of Dr. Elaine Arons in the States. And um, we developed our own test and we developed our, um, an, an approach to it. And we've been going around in organisations as part of our resilience work, identifying highly sensitive people. And what's interesting is both the tests we've created and the sort of methods that we've come up with have proved both really effective and very popular. And um, it's interesting how often people said to me, it's really lovely to know that I'm normal, because actually we see that high high sensitivity in people is something that everybody understands, everybody gets, but it's actually how you make the most of it that's the issue. And what's really fascinated me most of all is how often people see high sensitivity as a problem. And I just see it as a superpower ready to be deployed for either positivity or negativity. So actually, if it works for both, and you want to have more resilience, it strikes me that it's better to use it in a more positive way. And so it's become part of a toolkit that we use to help people really, really maximize their potential. And it's particularly a group of people who perhaps suffer more at the hands of others unconsciously. They find it often more difficult at work and, and in partners or relationships to make the, real, the best of themselves, but also to, to help other people understand them better. So that's what's got me intrigued really. It's, it's something new, it's something interesting, and I think it's something that helps liberate or empower a lot of people to, to understand themselves better. Yeah. So what, what are the traits of um, a highly sensitive person? All right, then. It, it's possibly useful to say, let's figure out what it is first, and then I'll go into the traits, because I think that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, that might be useful. And um, so it's... The idea of it links back to the work that Carl Jung came up to in psychology, which which linked this idea of um, your sensitivity to this idea of neurosis. And and in a sense, that's part of the issue of how it's regarded sometimes, because in a way, sensitivity links to neurosis, and it's often linked to depression and anxiety, so it's seen as a negative thing. So a lot of the traits that are... um, regularly associated with high sensitivity seem to be negative. And if you think about it, it comes from this school of thinking that was just called SRS, more than HSP, SRS, which is uh, Situation Response Sensitivity. That's where it comes from. Highly sensitive people are more aware of their external environment. They're more disturbed and bothered by it. In a sense, it's like a startle response. So one of the traits that you'll notice with highly sensitive people, for example, is they're more aware of noise. You'll often find people who are sitting in a room, they'll hear something really quite quiet because they're more aware of the sensitivity. The startle responses are 
are uh, set at a higher level. Perhaps their threat responses are set at a higher level. Perhaps they're more aware of threats around them. So they can be uh, slightly more ready to be startled, to be distracted and such like, because they're more aware of their, their surroundings. They're also more aware of the people around them as well. So they're, they're highly tuned in to the sort of moods and reactions and states that other people exhibit. So if someone's having a row on the other side of an office, the sensitive person will be immediately notice it and it will trigger potentially an emotional response. So in other words, the threat response is stimulated. And last but perhaps most importantly, HSPs or SRS people are more aware of themselves as well. So they listen more to what they say, they listen more to what they feel. And the thing is, because they tend to perhaps are more conditioned around thinking and uh, noticing the threat, they often become more anxious. And so what happens is they reinforce that anxiety. So what you'll have is often the traditional way of spotting um, a highly sensitive person is they're much more sensitive. They're much more likely to be high maintenance, for example, at work. They're much more likely to be, you know, more likely to be crying because they feel and notice their own emotions. They, they've often at work been told to toughen up a bit. Oh, for goodness sake, will you pull yourself together and stop being so distracted? Because actually they're more aware of a sensitive noise, for example. And, you know, what will often happen is someone else has a row, they get affected. They might even join in. They might be actually, you know, hiding away, physically removing themselves because they don't like too much external sensory experience. They, they will almost universally not like conflict as a starting point because... In a sense, what they do is they pick up overtones of conflict, whereas another person would say normal conflict has been okay. The highly sensitive person will read their conflict and without the, without the skill set, will feel that conflict more tangibly themselves in the form of a threat. So they often find it's, um, this sensitivity is an issue because of the, the need to be pleasing other people. So you often find that they really agonise over decisions because they don't they don't, sort of don't know what they want, but they know they don't want to disappoint another person because that might be threatening. So again, these, you can see how all this negative connotation can be linked with HSP. And my point is it's not HSP, it's the HSP using their superpower or the searchlight um, ability to, um, to, to sort of notice what's going on around them. So they have a greater a sort of depth of processing. They are, you know, they, they are sensitive to overstimulation. They, they, they respond more to emotional reactivity and, you know, just general other sensitive stimuli that comes in from themselves and other people. They're often really people-pleasing. They're often very, very sensitive to criticism. And someone who, um, you know, who will read criticism into the most, you know, the most casual comment, they'll see it perhaps as a, as a sort of a, something to get bent out of shape about. And again, that can all be solved because actually part of our resilience toolkit helps anyone, you know, deal with their own thinking sort of traps or thinking errors. But sensitive people need it more. Um, they often want to be on their own and they're often very good in terms of being um, analytical people because actually they're very good at delving into data because there is no stimulation involved with it. So, um, you know, that's really quite interesting because actually that, that's an interesting trait and opportunity for people. Um, they're very good at noticing small details. And, um, you know, if, if you come in with a, a, you know, a slightly scuffed shoe, the HSP will spot it. If you come in and you're, you're just a bit down today or a bit less bouncy than normal, the HSP will spot it. 
Um, you'll often find that um, they don't like being watched, you know, particularly at work if you're doing some sort of observation, there's no doubt that um, an HSP will notice. And actually, if they don't eat, if they don't look after themselves, they're very conscious of their own bodies because they're more sensitive about their, their own physical sense. They actually find that link between what they're eating and, and how they are generally, in terms of general well-being, affects them. So they find that more difficult to deal with. Um, and, 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 you know, literally, one of the biggest problems in a team setting and an emotional setting, if you've got a relationship with one of these people, is um, they, re they retreat, they disappear. They can often be found hiding in a corner when things get tough, when, when things get difficult, or when there's big problems. And, um, and, you know, these are all the negative connotations. Now, I would contend, and I hope you're going to ask me next, well, what's good about it? <laughs> what's good about being a highly sensitive person? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure it sounds good at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you said that because this is the sort of standard definition about high sensitivity. But if you think about it, what you've got is someone who's very aware of themselves. So they've got very high self-awareness. Now, we know in emotional intelligence that high sense of self-awareness um, can lead to strong self-worth, can really, really lead to really good opportunities for good self-management. So the thing a highly sensitive person needs to know is how to do that piece of work. Because high sensitivity picks up whether they're going to be positive or not, or not positive. So actually, the more positive you are, the more sensitivity will help you increase that. It's like a multiplication effect. And you think about it, the people who notice other people, the people who, who are around and care for other people, and they're, and they're stimulated by other people. So you'll often find them working in um, our sort of world, they'll be around people because they could sense they could build real fast empathy with people. They can really get a, get to grips with them. They're often brilliant in customer service roles because they seem to know exactly what the customer means immediately. And because we only we only ever paint HSP as a negative thing, we forget that HSP is as a feature of people who are really build who are really good with people, really build strong quick relationships with people. Um, they often are very good at avoiding conflict, so they're very good at being good in a team because they can smooth conflict out because they don't want it, so they're good at ma managing it. And as an operational manager, they often want a very calm, um, measured, sensible, professional environment because actually that moves away the conflict. So having an HSP as a boss is great because they're going to notice what you like, they're going to be caring about how you are, and they're going to be creating a culture where that, where actually the, the minimization of sort of negative behaviors or sort of aggressive bullying, harassing behaviors are not going to be in, in evidence. So they can make good managers. They're often really, really um, moved by the arts. So they're actually really lovely to talk to because they care about stuff, because they feel it. it you know, they'll often cry. Um, really easily. I mean, that can be seen as a negative thing, but actually, that's a really positive thing as well, isn't it? To be able to express your emotions is a really positive thing. Yeah. They get overwhelmed when they get a lot to do, which is great. So, you know, when they do one or two things well, they do it brilliantly because they deeply care about what they do. They want to please others. So actually, you know, if they, if they organise themselves, they can do well. And in a team setting, I like to call them cultural canaries. Because they're really good at spotting when things are going to miss. As a manager, if you've got an HSP in your team and you can create an environment where perhaps there's less stimulation than usual, 
so a bit less noise perhaps or a bit less chaos or a bit less leaping about and banter and such less a bit less of that the highly sensitive person will be able to use their sensitivity to spot perhaps someone being a bit down someone being a bit fed up that day someone someone whose behaviors are sort of deviating away from the norm and that's important because we need to we need to get make the best of everybody in teams and it's sometimes people who are less sensitive who who are all over the place and then can become really stressed because they don't have mechanisms to use it, can that, that person's distress can be spotted by the highly sensitive person when it's not being spotted by the person themselves. And so, you know, really having a highly sensitive person in your team is, a, is really good news. Now, HSP is often linked to being an introvert, but there are extrovert HSPs as well. Imagine someone who's highly sensitive and go in a room and do a presentation to 200 people and really empathise with that audience very, very fast and be able to structure and communicate messages really, really quickly with people and become across to be interesting and, ex and, and, and enthusiastic and passionate and appeal to that many people. That's an extrovert HSP and they exist. And HSPCs, of, HSPCs, HSPs are often seen as only being women. Well, men can be highly sensitive as well. And so what you get are these people who suddenly become really interesting. They can be creative, they can be dynamic, they can have all those things. They can be as positive, they can be up as everybody else, they can be listening to other people, they can be great managers, they can be fantastic wherever personal issues are concerned. They make great mediators, they're great with that. So, I mean, you know, isn't it good news? It's a thing to celebrate, it's a superpower. And what we have to recognize is that human traits can actually make, so human traits can make us depressed, or anxious. High sensitivity shines a spotlight on that and can make it worse. Human traits can make us optimistic and joyful. High sensitivity can shine a spotlight on that. So we have to pull high sensitivity away from the underlying problem, fix the underlying problem and use the sensitivity for people to really begin to thrive. Okay, so you're saying that when, um, if people can manage their high sensitivity, um, it can do. It can do really. It can be really helpful for them. But if it's badly managed, then it's bad news. Yeah. And the first, the first real. There's two different things here. Firstly, it's about knowing you're sensitive and knowing that's okay, and that sensitivity is a is a way. Well, such a genetic advantage that people have. It's also a way that we can turn into a toolkit to allow you to make choices about how you are what you feel and how you emote and what you do and therefore how you perform in the workplace and in relationships. So it's the first thing is to know that you are sensitive and that you are not mad because you're not. It is actually an evolutionary advantage to be sensitive. What we've done culturally is create a negative connotation around it. Yeah, okay. How many people are do have HSP? Um, I don't think people have it. But it's okay. interesting. No, it's an interesting. It's a really interesting question you've asked there because I don't think anybody really knows. And like everything, it's a bit of a continuum because actually, well, on our testing, we've discovered people can, you know, people who are introverted often have some of the traits of HSP, but also, but people who are HSP have it have it all. If you see what I mean. Yeah. So we don't know how many, but I, I tend to find that it's about ten percent of the population in training courses. Uh, I don't know whether that's statistically sound. Um, it'd be interesting for us to back, look back at the work of um, Elaine and, and Michael Clouse to see how many they think there are. I think they, th I think they would look at the general market. As, I'm sorry, the general world as being slightly bigger than that. 
but I'm just looking at the sort of data that we've pulled out from training courses. Interestingly, some organisations we work in, um, that average is much, much higher. And um, we work in one organisation where I think something around 40 to 50% of the people we've had through our courses have had high sensitivity. And that might be telling you something about the culture that either highly sensitive people feel more comfortable there, they feel more nurtured there, the environment is better for them there, or highly sensitive people are recruiting other highly sensitive people. Now we also work in another client uh, of ours which is very different, much more macho, um, whether female or male, in terms of the culture, and the high sensitivity is much, much less, almost, almost non-existent in fact. Now that's interesting because that's a very highly customer-focused environment, but with very little high sensitivity and a reputation for being quite a stereotypical, unforgiving, sort of not a great place to, not a great place to do business with. So it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I'm interested in seeing that correlation. The, answer, the short answer is, I don't know, but um, I think as we become more, more aware of it, I think we'll see the numbers go up. It's a bit like reported crime, isn't it? Is it because there's more of them or is it just because we're, we're actually identifying more people? I also think at the moment that People don't self-identify as sensitive because actually they see it as some sort of weakness, not realising, as we would say, it's a superpower. And if you go on Facebook, Janet, goodness, some of these groups I've joined, my goodness, it is a constant moan and litany about how terrible life is. And I think we have to, um, I think we have to empower some of these people to realise that HSP is not the problem. HSP is part of the solution. Because I would read that um, you know, empathy was a brilliant trait for a leader to have. So... They've got to be good things, good skills. You've got it. I mean, it's the number one, you know, it's often seen as the number one skill in leadership, isn't it? High empathy. It's often seen as the number one skill of any, any organisation that transacts with another human being. It's often seen as really important in marketing and communications because actually, you know, that's all what's, it's all, it's what it's all about. I mean, empathy is not so useful if you're putting together a set of management accounts. But highly sensitive people can be good at that because they're often analytical because they work in environments which have low stimulation. So they're built up like an analytical toolkit. So you find them in both environments. You find highly sensitive people who want to avoid stimulation working in areas and jobs which are quiet. And you have highly sensitive people who like the stimulation and that fires them up working in those sorts of environments. The issue is that those people who are more positive and bouncy and such like don't seem to attribute their positive, positivity and bounciness to, to sensitivity. What we do is the, only the negative people seem to attribute. And that's why high sensitivity is getting a, a bit of a, rap, you know, a poor rap. But you're right. Empathy is one of the key things. It's almost one of the key byproducts of sensitivity. And that's just going to be great for today's world. Yeah. So how can we um, support or, or cope with HSP? Right. Well, the first thing is, if, you, if you're in a relationship with someone who's highly sensitive, you know it already. So stop telling them, because they know it already, and stop telling them they're mad. And stop telling them to worry, because they're going to, potentially. Because if they're a worrier, the high sensitivity will make the, give them more to worry about. So what you have to do is, wherever you're with a high sensitive person, is firstly figure out with them whether they're the sort of person that likes a lot of stimulation or not a lot of stimulation. So you and I know that when I like to work on, a, on something that's very quiet, I go somewhere very noisy to do that work. And I know, yeah. you, I know you find that mad, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. But you know, because I like the stimulation that comes from having a lot, the energy of a lot of people around me, and it allows me to focus. 
because I, I, I'm quite good at screening that out, but like feeding on other people's energy. So it's just recognizing that the high sensitive person sometimes needs, needs a slightly different environment to other people. Now, we had bumped into someone in our, in our time and, and a client of ours who, who couldn't stand the sound of someone chewing around them. And so people, because they didn't understand it, spent a lot of time chewing around that person almost to wind them up. Well, actually, surprise, surprise, there was often much bending out of shape then much conflict with the net result that this person was actually quite that HSP was very miserable. And so we have to realise that this, you know, people who are highly sensitive need a little bit more slack cut in terms of the environment. It needs to be sometimes quieter. And also we realise that we don't like they don't like conflict so much. So we've got two ways of dealing with that. We never have conflict or we teach them how to be better with conflict. So a lot of the problems that come for HSP is we, we need to give them the skills for them to be able to become better at managing themselves. What they haven't what they haven't got, they don't have an issue or a condition. There's nothing the matter with them. This is an advantage. What they have to do is learn the skills to become better at managing and using that advantage for the benefit of themselves of their organization. And it starts with saying, you're not mad. This sensitivity thing is good. Cut your partner some slack, cut your team some slack, and have a think of what's good for them as well as for you. And of course, if you're less sensitive, you just think they're being a right old drama queen and the right old fuss pots and all that sort of stuff. But genuinely, they are more sensitive and they need you to understand. Now, it's interesting, Janet, isn't it? How many times have you seen in your life a very sensitive person, often what female, because let's do the stereotypes, with a highly unsensitive man? <laughs> yeah. And we see lots of that. And, the, and I, I meet lots of them and talk to them and when I'm coaching them. And, and what you'll see is, you know, I've got this man who doesn't understand me. And, and, the, and the man will say, I've got this woman who drives me nuts. And once you actually introduce them to this, they sort of say, right, I've got it. Okay, now I understand. All the normal techniques in terms of building a great relationship come to bear, but suddenly everybody's happier. So the first stage is awareness. The second stage is the skill building. If the issue for your, the person you have in your team or in your relationship is like conflict, they need to learn the skills of managing and dealing with conflict and, and practicing it. So it's, you know, it's like everything in life. You need to face your fears and have a go at them. But you can only face your fears if you've got some skill to help you. And often in our coaching, we're you know, literally liberating people by saying, you're not mad, this is your issue. This is what you have told me your issue is. Let me, let me unpack the skill set behind it. And what you'll find is these people can learn really, really quickly, A, because they're motivated to, but B, because actually they can turn their sensitivity onto the subject and ingrain and absorb learning more quickly. I mean, that's a superpower. Yeah, that's got to be great for performance, isn't it? So, too right. Yeah. Okay. So what, what sort of tools and strategies are particularly useful for HSP? Well... One of the risks for HSP is that they can be less resilient because if you think about our, our, our resilience model around ropes being about self-management and self-awareness, sort of regulation, optimism, purpose, energy and stamina, all those things which are negative often more negative for highly sensitive people. So learning the resilience toolkit is a real shortcut for people. So learning about emotions and how to use and manage them, managing anxiety, for example, learning how to use your physiology to manage the, the negative effects of cortisol and, and therefore stress reduction, you know, working with other people to bring strong and sensible relationships together, again, sits there. 
you know, looking at your thinking errors and thinking traps and managing your optimism is a real point of that. And you often find that, actually, funny enough, a lot of um, highly sensitive people are already quite stoical and, and got good stamina. They're actually quite good at weathering the storms around them as long as they don't get pulled out of shape. So how, allowing them to, you know, to understand that a strategy, whatever strategy for them works in the workplace is, is the key. Now, I would say that the Resilience Toolkit would help these people, but actually, genuinely, it really does, because it's broad enough to, to work with most of the issues that highly sensitive people identify with and most of the opportunities to really help them thrive. That's brilliant. Okay. So what are you working on to support this group of people? Well, firstly, you know, I think it wouldn't be a surprise to say that. I, I, I was, and people laugh when I say this, but I actually have quite an HSP score myself. So um, a high school. So I know everyone laughs when I say that, but it's probably true. I mean, background as a musician, there's a starting point, isn't it? And, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so the first thing is I'm really passionate about the community. I'm really passionate about saying, well, actually, let's liberate this community. So in all of our work now, we're identifying people who are highly sensitive. We're going to put some um, specific online material together for them. Um, we might even create a website for them. Who knows? Um, we do a lot of coaching work and that people like to be coached and actually have some time spent either on their own or um, in, a t in a corporate setting with a team which may need to be more sensitive or need to deal with more sensitivity, then we're working with those people. And we're also considering, if we get enough sort of positive feedback about this, putting together a sort of HSP weekend somewhere. We're thinking of taking a group of people away and, and really making it interesting and helping them identify what type of sensitivity they have, whether it's sensitivity around themselves, around other people, or the environment in, in which they find themselves. I think because we have a corporate background, this is going to see, be very, very pragmatic and sensible. I know some of these, you know, going away at the weekends involve a lot of chanting and, you know, running naked through the forest, but there's not going to be any of that going on, I can tell you. So I think something more like a conference or more like a, you know, a, a, uh, and a, you know, an exercise-based thing where people can get together and meet other people, and you know, perhaps learn some good yoga techniques. You know, just as a starting point of this, this sort of exercise base. You know, really based on thorough stuff. I think would be quite useful for people. But as you can hear, you know, we're, you know, I know we're putting this idea together and talking to a number of people about uh, other interests and such like. But I, I'm hoping we can do something around quarter one next year in 2018 around that and get that publicised and such like. So if there's anybody out there who's interested, do let us know and um, see what you think. Pro probably start in the UK, but um, who knows, we may spread other one in other places as well. We've got a, a nice warm location in the south of Spain and I need no encouragement to head over to our American cousins to do some work over there. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks for that. That's really interesting. I didn't know a huge amount about HSP, so that's brilliant. No worries. Remember, you're not mad. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. I hope we really got some value from that. I certainly enjoyed it myself. Remember, there's only other podcasts and with tools and techniques, different speakers and different resources available in this series of Resilience Unraveled, so please feel free to subscribe. Why not also drop across to Facebook and join our group, Resilience Unraveled, and join in the conversation. Also, if you wanted to whip over to iTunes and drop us a review, that would be fantastic. Thanks ever so much. You can get hold of us at qedod.com 
or at personalresilience.com where you can get hold of free ebooks, resources, some online courses, and even some coaching. But whatever happens, I look forward for you joining us on the next edition of Resilience Unraveled. Thank you.